Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Seacoast Community Church Podcast. And this month, we are getting into some biographies. Not one, not two, but three biographies. And they're all actually condensed into one book. And this is called A Camaraderie of Confidence, written by John Piper. If you're not familiar, um, John Piper has a series of books uh, under the overarching title of The Swans Are Not Silent. And I forget how many books he has, but he has several books where in each book he he writes about a, a particular uh, missionary or pastor or teacher or even a poet um, from Christian history. He condenses their biography. And he's really helpful at drawing out some just insightful lessons that we can take away from the lives of these individuals who have gone before us. And it's, a, it's, it's an incredible, uh, incredible series. I, I'd like to say I read all of them, but I don't think I have. I may have missed maybe like one, but they are incredibly helpful, incredibly encouraging. And I personally always find it encouraging to read missionary biographies. So I have... Uh, I try to read at least one missionary biography per month. Uh, Sorry, not per month, (laughs) Uh, per year. Because I find them so encouraging, so refreshing, it's a helpful reminder to me that there is a world outside of Dover, New Hampshire, that needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. That there are uh, people all across the world who have not even heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so it is... It is incredibly encouraging just to, to read about the perseverance, uh, the strength, the endurance, and even about the, uh, the failings and the weaknesses of those who have gone before us, and yet their, their meager attempts uh, to evangelize the world. Incredibly encouraging, and I hope that you will find them encouraging as well. Although this month, uh, we're not covering three missionaries. Actually, one of them is a, is a missionary. The others are not. I guess you could say they are in their own way, but not a missionary in the sense that you and I typically think of missionaries as saying going across the world, uh, crossing into an, an unfamiliar culture and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this month we are talking about Charles Spurgeon, which many of you are familiar with. We're talking about George Mueller, and which some of you may not be as familiar with him. Uh, I've actually preached a, a message on the life of George Mueller a few years ago. But uh, his is an incredible story. Uh, in short, he established uh, many different orphanages on prayer. He had them established, founded, uh, provided for only through prayer. Uh, He never took debt. He never once asked people for money. And God provided every single step of the way for all of their needs. It's an incredible story. I highly commend uh, his story to you. And the other individual we're talking about this month is Hudson Taylor. I think this is probably the most unfamiliar uh, to you, but we're going to talk about him this month. And... So for this first episode, we're actually not getting into uh, their lives, which you may be disappointed to hear about. But what I want to do is just cover the introduction uh, to uh, Piper's book, uh, which Piper wrote himself. Uh, So uh, this is 
Again, this book is titled A Camaraderie of Confidence. And I guess the full title is A Camaraderie of Confidence in the Mighty Goodness of God. Now, these three individuals um, were, were contemporaries. Uh, they were born around the same time, uh, Hudson Taylor being the youngest. But both of these men, uh, so Hudson Taylor is the missionary, uh, was the missionary to China. And they, he, be, he became familiar with George Mueller and Charles Spurgeon developed relationships with them. Both of them commended him, commended his ministry to the Chinese and the spread of the gospel, uh, financially supported him. Uh, and George Mueller and, uh, and Charles Perlgen also knew each other very well. They were considered pretty good friends. And I believe there were only maybe a few hours away from one another. So it's just, anyways, it's, it's incredibly encouraging just to hear or to read how these individuals commend one another. Uh, they have, uh, like, for example, um, though we know uh, Charles Spurgeon as the prince of preachers, probably the greatest preacher of his time, um, yet uh, Charles Spurgeon says of George Mueller, because George Mueller also preaches, and he's heard Mueller's preaching, and he's he actually commends Mueller and says that he is the, the greatest preacher. So it's uh, it's just so, so wonderful to see just these men commend one another and lift each other up uh, in this way and, and just have these really positive th- things to say to one another. Not to appear more humble, but just because they generally love one another. So anyways, let's get into it, uh, to this introduction to this book. And I'm, I, I really like this statement uh, that Piper makes and uh, talking about these particular men. It says that surprisingly, not surprisingly, fruitful Christians are people of their age, yet also people out of step with their age. Right. So you and I, right, we are people of our age. We are born into this age. We are familiar with this age. And yet as Christians who have been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are also out of step of the age, aren't we? Our lives are countercultural. We give our lives to the glory of God. I mean, even just attending church on a regular and faithful basis and serving the needs of the saints, it's just, that alone is just very, very different. So we are certainly out of step with the age. We don't, we're not children of the world. We're children of the living God who are still living in the world. And yet our life looks incredibly different than the rest of the world. And, and our being out of step with the age shows itself in various different ways for different people. And now for these three men, they, they had, so George Mueller established many orphanages not just to meet the needs and plights of the orphans, as incredibly necessary as that is, but ultimately he did it for the glory of God. Charles Spurgeon, uh, it says here that he either founded or helped lead or was a part of at least 60 organizations in his lifetime. He also developed a pastor's college and an orphanage himself. And Hudson Taylor would go on uh, to missions, and he would establish his own sort of missions organization uh, in China. So in that sense, these men were these men were very out of step with their age. Look at what they're accomplishing. Look at what they're uh, look at their ambition, man. And I would uh, 
uh, I pray to God that he would give me such, such ambition to risk uh, for God, to attempt great things for God, and I pray that he would do so for you as well. And, and so in that sense, they were out of step with the age, and during their time, there was a great evangelical movement, and I find this definition of evangelicalism very helpful, and I think it's a definition that we've lost today. Uh, evangelicalism is a movement within Christianity that is marked by cruci, cruci, I'm trying to pronounce this word, crucicentrism, conversionism, biblicism, and activism. So to put it more simply, evangelical evangelicalism is defined by four particular marks, Bible, cross, conversion, and activism. Now, activism should not be confused with sort of the social justice movement that we hear so much about today. But when we think about activism, what it meant was, was being active in the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is sharing the gospel with others. So evangelicalism uh, was stirred by the teaching of the scriptures, eager to proclaim the message of Christ crucified, unflagging in their quest for conversions, and hence they were dedicated activists in the spread of the gospel. Right? We want people to be saved, and so we will be active in the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so for these men, what they, that had looked like for them is to establish uh, orphanages, to establish uh, pastors' colleges, to establish schools. For many across, uh, across church history, that meant different things. But ultimately, what we need to get out of this is that, you know, that the gospel, that our transformation of the gospel, that we haven't been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ so that we can sit in our homes and live idle lives. But instead, we have been saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ in order to be active in the promote of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you're and if you have a zeal for the glory of God, if you desire for God to be worshipped and honored in all of the world, then you will be active in this as well. And that might mean having a great ambition to start something for the glory of God. Maybe it's an orphanage. Maybe it's a school. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's just uh, supporting missionaries financially. It's certainly sharing the gospel ourselves. But this is what evangelicalism is defined by. Well, this is what it was originally defined by. To repeat, it's defined by Bible, cross, conversion, and activism. Right? Let that be our evangelicalism today. Let us be evangelicals for the cross of Christ. So, wow, what else uh, to share just in this introduction? Um, well, I have mentioned a little bit about each uh, about each individual that we are going to be talking about uh, this month, and let me read you this. And we might actually get this when we get to George Mueller's uh, section, but even if we do, it'll, it'll it'll be worth repeating. But let me conclude with this. For him, there was three reasons for establishing an orphan house, and I think this really encapsulates what these men were about. One, one especially, number one reason is that God may be glorified should he be pleased to furnish with me the means and is being seen that it is not in vain to trust in God and that thus the faith of his children may be strengthened. Number two, 
for the spiritual welfare of the fatherless and motherless children, and three, for their temporal welfare. Did you get that? The temporal welfare of these orphans is incredibly right. They, there's a desperate need here, but that was reason number three for establishing these orphanages. Ultimately, the first and primary reason was for the glory of God. And this is what these men were driven by. They wanted God to be glorified. And everything that they did in response to that was just a fruit. They pursued the glory of God and the fruit of their pursuit of the glory of God was establishing an orphanage, a pastor's college, a missionary society, and various other different things. And so let us also be about for the glory of God. For when we are zealous for the glory of God, we will attempt great things and we will take risks because the glory of God is absolutely worth it. So I hope that you'll stay tuned. And next week, we will talk about the life of Spurgeon uh, in this book, A Camaraderie of Confidence. Hope you'll join me then.